uh, in the Bible. That's where we're going to kind of be our launching off point um, today. Uh, we are in week five of our sermon series called Hope DNA, looking at what makes us us. We're spending a couple of weeks looking at each of these. You can read them on the coffee lounge as you come in, that we want to be an authentic community of extravagant worshippers, shaped by the word, moving in the spirit, driven by prayer, serving our community. In other words, we want to be a church. Uh, that's essentially what we're saying there. And we spent the last couple of weeks, last few weeks, looking at what it means to be an authentic community and what it means to be extravagant worshippers. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks looking at what it means to be shaped by the words. But I thought a way to launch off into this is I've got a quick video I want to show you. Um, so it should come up uh, if we make sure we've got sound uh, on the video, Jason, and then we can... Uh, I, want to, I saw this on social media um, this week. It goes here. Oh, we don't want that sound. Let's try that again. We don't want the sound from your phone. We want the sound from the laptop, which should go here. Say hello to Hug Pottery. Yes. These folks really are giving their pots a big cuddle before firing them in the kiln. Couples, families and friends come together to hug a pot, leaving an imprint to create a fantastic memento of their relationships. It might make for an unusual ornament, but the method behind it is truly something to remember. Would anyone fancy one of them? Hands up if you're, if you're interested. Yeah, a few. Okay. It's not really my vibe, um, but I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was really, really interesting. Every time you look at that pot in your house, you remember the hug that formed it. That's interesting. That's quite a nice... I mean, it looks ridiculous, doesn't it? But it's quite a nice idea. It, it, this pot is shaped by the hug that made it, and it got me thinking, what shapes us. We're kind of a bit like that pot in that we're being shaped by all kinds of things. What is it that's shaping you? What is it that's shaping me? And Psalm 1 gives us two options of things that might shape us. So read with me Psalm chapter 1. This is originally supposed to be a song. We don't know the tune. And so I'm just going to read it. Okay. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Interesting. You start by walking, and then you're standing still, and then you're sitting down. Yeah, that's interesting. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So two paths, two options of things that can shape us. First path is that we're shaped by the world. This psalm calls it the wicked, the sinners, mockers. Essentially people who don't want to go God's way. People whose worldview isn't shaped by what God thinks, but is just shaped by what culture thinks. We can go that way or we can be shaped by the words, the law of the Lord. So we can be shaped by the world or we can be shaped by the word. And there's a real implication here for whichever one you choose. It says, if you want to be shaped by the world, 
then you're like chaff that the wind blows away. That chaff, the stuff wants to do all the threshing, the just the dusty stuff that's left that the wind just picks up and takes off. That there is a way of living that doesn't last. We can throw ourselves into stuff that is only for this life, for the kingdoms of this world. Or if we live according to the word and shaped by the word, we can live in a way that lasts, a way that's fruitful, a way that's secure and steadfast. It's not to say everything's going to go right all the time. But when all is said and done, you're still standing. Do you want to be shaped by the world or do you want to be shaped by the words? And it says if you're shaped by the word, you are hashtag blessed. You live the blessed life, the life of abundance, of happiness, of joy. So which one do you want to be shaped by? And we want to look at what it means to be shaped by this. And this is a fascinating book. It's, it's actually not even just a book. It's 66 books. It's a library. Bible kind of means library. It's got poetry. It's got history. It's got law. It's, you can read other people's mail. There's love letters, all kinds of stuff you've got in this book. 66 books written by 40 authors in three languages, Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, written on three continents over a period of 1,500 years. It is an extraordinary library of books. It's phenomenal how it has come down to us the way it has. It's the most bought book. Seven billion copies of this have been bought through history. Seven billion. It's been translated. It's the most translated book. Parts of it at least have been translated into 3,000 different languages. It's an astonishing book. But how does it shape us? I've got 20 minutes, and I want to give you a 20-point sermon. Okay? 20 point, are you ready? I've got my pieces of paper ready. I was going to stop with the pieces of paper, um, but someone said that I've started, so I've got to go on now. Uh, but I'm not going to pick on the front row, because I've picked on the front row loads of time. I'm going to pick on the second row um, today. Um, but we've got 10 things the Bible does, five things the Bible is, and then five things we're going to do it on response, okay? 10 things the Bible does, five things the Bible is, and five things we're going to do in response. So firstly, Paul, the Bible shows us, come out for me. You haven't been here, have you? You've been skiving off to... Australia, New Zealand. Were you in America as well? Yes. Flipping act. The Bible shows us history. It shows us there is one story, 66 books, one narrative, the God who wants to redeem and restore a broken world. One story. It shows us that history is actually his story. And it reveals to us, Janie, come on out. It reveals to us God's character. It shows us who God is. You're next, Luke. It shows us who God is. It shows us what he's like, both by the stuff it tells us about God, but by the stories. It shows how he relates to his people, his kindness and mercy and grace and compassion, his patience, also his hatred of evil. He is diametrically opposed to the darkness. And of course, primary in this 
is it shows us God's love. Even when his people aren't lovely, it shows us his love for them. And primarily, this is how we know what God's love looks like. Christ Jesus lays down his life for us. This is the prime example of the love of God. If you go through hard stuff in your life and you go, why would God let me go through this? I don't have the answer for you, but I know the answer isn't that God doesn't love you. He loves you because he sent Jesus to die for you. Which brings us on to the fourth thing the Bible does is it reveals Jesus to us. There you go. Reveals Jesus to us. Not just in the New Testament. You might think the New Testament stuff, the Gospels and the stuff that's written after the Gospels, it reveals Jesus to us. But it's the Old Testament that reveals Jesus to us as well. We get shadows of what Jesus would be like. We get pictures of what the Messiah was like. We get shown what our need is for Jesus to come. It's why after Jesus was raised from the dead and he goes and he walks along the Emmaus Road with his disciples, he explains to them all the places. Can you imagine being in that Bible study? All the places in the Old Testament where Jesus pops up where he's revealed to us a little bit more. It reveals Jesus to us. And because it reveals Jesus, it shows us how to be saved. It shows us that it makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It shows us that we can't earn our salvation. We can't do it ourselves. We can't be good enough. We are not enough to be saved. He loves us. He cares for us. But we are not enough to earn our salvation. We needed Jesus to go to the cross to die for us. Shows us, sixthly, six-ish, yeah, sixthly, how to live. And that's not just the commandments. It's not just the, 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 the commandments about what you're to do in specific circumstances. We get a great examples of faith, of living a faithful, faith-filled life. We also get examples of how not to live. Because often the heroes of the faith, they fall and they mess it up. And we get kind of cautionary tales about, no, this isn't the way to live. We get examples of how to seek God, how to pursue him and how he pursues us. The words, next one, come around, Heather. It guides us. It guides us. It is a lamp for our feet. We've just been singing it. And a light on my path. Without the Bible, we are stumbling around in the dark. We might get things right occasionally, by accident almost. But it is the word of God that guides us. It's a, come on, Rob. I'm going to go to the third row. Yes, we are doing it. It refreshes us. It revives us. It revives us. Are you feeling like you need reviving? Are you feeling dry? Are you feeling like you're struggling? Are you feeling isolated? Are you, are you feeling down? Is your spirit downcast? The word of God revives us as we read it. Also, come on, Kath. It feeds us. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God's. Just as your body needs food, your soul needs the words. But how many of us and how often do we try and live off bread alone? How many of us are physically healthy and spiritually malnourished? And then the 10th point, come on, Graham. It gives us 
perspective. It shows us that this is not that this life is not all there is. We don't just have to live for the here and now. We can live for eternity. And I could go on. There's more than ten things the Bible does, but here are ten things for you. And why do they? Why does the Bible do this? Because it is the Word of God. It is breathed out, spirited out by God, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You cannot separate them. So often in church, we try to separate between word churches and spirit churches. That is not us. We want to be word and spirit church because the Word is born of the Spirit. And when we read the Word, the Spirit brings it to life in us. It is God's Word. It is God's Word because it does these things and it does these things because it is God's Word. And so because it is God's Word, there's five things we can say about it. Ian, come on out. You get, the, you get the posh word. It's infallible. That means it says what God wants it to say. It doesn't lie. It doesn't mislead us. What God wants to be in the Bible is in the Bible. You okay to come out? Yeah, of course you are, Giles. You legend. It is, it's authoritative. That means we do what it tells us to do. We live how it tells us to live. It has the authority over us, not culture. We don't just do what culture wants us to do. We don't just do what our family wants us to do. Well, you should obey your parents, children, yes. It is authoritative over our life because it is a word from the king. It is incisive. We've heard this already. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Do you know I heard someone say, when we read the word, the word reads us. When we read the word, the word reads us. There's something that happens when we read the word of God that cuts us to the core. It's incisive. Becca, come on up. Fourthly, it is enough. There will never be another sacred book on the level of scripture. There is no third testament. If you hear religion say there's a new revelation from God, you can ignore that nonsense straight away. That's not to say we don't believe in the prophetic word. But if there is a prophetic word given that doesn't match up with scripture, we can kick that into touch. It is enough. And then finally, the word of God. Thank you. It's dangerous. Do you know it is the, not only the most bought and the most translated book in the world, it is the most banned book in the world. There are places on this world where if you own a Bible and certainly if you preach with a Bible, you will be killed. Do you know why? Because the enemy hates it. Because when God's people read it and live by it, it is an affront to the enemy and the kingdom of darkness. That's why he will rise up empires who hate the Bible. That is why when churches go away from the authority of Scripture, within a generation or two, they're gone. Because life is found in the Scriptures and in the God the Scriptures reveal. So when we move away from the authority of Scripture, you're, it's a death knell for that movement, for that church, for that person. This is just a glimpse of the Bible. It's cool, right? Guys, thank you so much. You can take a seat. You... you can keep them if you want. 
And that's all well and good. But I don't just want you to see the theory. I want you to see some examples of how it's worked out in real life. And so I'd love for you to welcome up my friend Martina. Martina, come on up. Give her a round of applause. How are you feeling? Uh, I need to get a bucket. <laughs> You're a bit nervous. <laughs> now, Martina, you are new to church. You are new to faith. You've been coming to us just since before Christmas. For the, a lot of people won't know you. Just who are you? Who's Martina? Okay, I'm making, me, I'm making myself known quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now people will know you. Um, yeah, there's not much to say, really. But, um, yeah, my accent is from Prague, Czech Republic, so that where I'm But it's now called from. Czechia, isn't it? No, please don't say that. <laughs> okay, the Czech Republic, okay. <laughs> That's my ears. <laughs> Czech Republic, uh, Czechia. Um, yeah, I've, um, I've been here about 20 years uh, in England, in the UK, and I'm married to a guy called Andrew, and he doesn't come to church because he's, he's atheist, but I do pray for him. So you never know. And kids? Um, God is great. Um, yeah, kids. I've got. Uh, we've got. We've got two lovely boys. Um, Five-year-old Elliot. He's a little cheeky little bum. And, <laughs> sorry, and uh, Matthew. He comes with me every Sunday. You probably know him. He's somewhere playing with Lego somewhere there. Yeah. And uh, he is. Uh, he loves the church. He. You lent him the children's Bible. He read it all. Okay. So I'm the wrong person to be here, actually. <laughs> get him up. Can we go to group and get him out? <laughs> get, get him in. I'm going to go. Because you're so new to all this. Yeah. Before you came in, what was your view of the Bible? Okay. When I, um, first time I opened Bible, I, it just looked like a lot of ants on thin white paper. And I had just no idea. So I just closed it because it was overwhelming. But I, I, um, I always felt the presence of the Lord since I was a little girl, but coming from a very, very atheist family, I didn't have a really um, chance to get to Bible. Or, and then you just in and out, in and out with faith. So it's just recently um, things happening in my life. I'm not going to go to details, but with my... Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's this first time I'm holding microphone. It's actually it won't be the last time, don't worry. <laughs> don't. Hi. One, two, three. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, you're doing great. You're doing really well. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So it's just things happened with Matthew where we, we really struggled in, in, in I'm sorry, very sh short. Um, in August, um, he was... Um, diagnosed with something called AVM in his spinal cord and there was a very low it, he could he could not be here he could be completely paralyzed he could yeah there was so many different things and uh, this is the time the Lord showed his grace and love and it massively stood out for me so I thought and he's here he's running around not, amazing not the Lord Matthew and he's as well but um he um it's it's if you want I'll tell you the story um one-to-one -one. and um and um, that was probably months later, I thought, okay, I'm going to buy the Bible. And I did. And when I opened it, there were no ants, there were words this time. And uh, um, it, it was amazing. But I felt it's not enough. And I felt like having a hand on my back pushing me to come here. And it felt right as 
I remember walking up the second stairs and I felt reborn. I felt home. And it was also all of you guys because you're so incredible, supportive, amazing and loving. And you just you just walk to Mars with open arms. You still are. I really appreciate it. But um, yeah, it was the connection with the Bible and walking into here. What did it? And I had my first worship. First ever. ever, first ever, and how I, was that for you? I cried. <laughs> like, like <laughs> Do you know, first time like I came baby. here, first time I came here and worshipped, I cried as well. Did you? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Did you? Oh, good. Yeah. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> and so, tell me about how you view the word now. Oh yeah. So since that, I learned more about Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, that blown my mind. And uh, the first time I felt the presence of Holy Spirit, literally felt it physically. And so that was the point when I opened the Bible again and I felt like I'm eating the words. It was just coming in. My, I was, it was just like, he's, he's guiding me. He's, he's telling me where to go, what to, what to, at first my friend told me to, I'm like, where do I start? He said, go jo read John, go to New Testament. So I had a little bit of, so I read John, read um, Matthew, but then it was just the Holy Spirit guiding me to do this. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with Psalms. And I just felt <laughs> so obsessed with Psalms. I, I love to remember one, I can't, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's great. Um, it, I felt my life started changing, my desire for reading the word, changed massively um things were happening i felt response from the lord in um actions in within people um in the nature and mm. not in the dreams i'm still waiting for that one <laughs> but yeah it's it, it's 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 massive amazing absolutely massive and so for, for someone here who's either new to this whole stuff or maybe someone who's been in church a long time and has struggled to get in the bible what advice would you give? I personally, I start from New Testament <laughs> because you get to know the Jesus and 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 then because everything is pointing towards to Jesus. So that's good. But to be honest, it's about... <laughs> yeah, preach it. I mean, you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd say personally, it's about the desire of wanting to know the Lord, it, that's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think all, all I would say is um, to get to know him, to get to um, get closer to him and know him, his character, just like you said, his character, his nature, who he is, his love to you and everything he can give you is to read the living word because the word is living it's 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 uh it's protecting you it's guiding you it's and it's building up your faith yeah so it's to trust the lord it's it's to read to pray because once you're gonna once you're gonna do that and you actually meet him and meet the holy spirit oh my goodness then uh you're never alone wow. you are never alone yeah Martina, so thank you so much. Well done. Well done.
Thelma Howard was Walt Disney's housekeeper. And um, she's a small town girl from Idaho, lived a humble life her whole life. She died in 1994 in a three-bed bungalow. Lived a really humble existence. Um, after, after she died, her kids found her will in the drawer of her bureau in her bedroom and they discovered a bit of a surprise. Instead of Walt Disney giving her a gift or a, a bonus at Christmas, Walt Disney every year gave her stock in Disney. And so they discovered that their mum, who lived a very humble life, had in her bureau a piece of paper that meant she was worth $9 million which was 30 years ago. Today, it's $20 million. Amazing story, but you've got a woman who was rich beyond her wildest dreams, but didn't live like it. If you have one of these, or access to one of these, you are rich beyond your wildest dreams. You have the words of life. You have the words of Yahweh, the God of the universe. As you read it, his spirit brings it alive and says, oh, this isn't just a story from 1,500 years ago. These are words that are for you today. But like this lady, how many of us live a life of poverty when we're really rich? Do we live like it? Are we shaped by it? Or are we shaped by culture that is perishing and which changes at a rate of knots? When you can be shaped by the eternal word of God. So next week, Ian is going to give us some top tips and handy hints and stories about how we can read this over the long term well. But I want to give you five ways that you can be shaped by the word of God. Firstly, read it. <laughs> and you know, that, that's one of the things I took from what Martina just said. If you want to get into the word, read it. The more you read it, the more you'll love it. And I'm not saying that you read this today and it will change your life tomorrow. It might. I'm not saying there'll be a tangible change the next day or the next day or the next day, but I'm saying over weeks, over months, over years, over decades, over a lifetime, this will transform your life as the spirit applies it into you. Read it. I don't care how you read it. I don't care if you read it all. I don't care if you read it in a month. I don't care if you read it in a year. I don't care if you read one verse a day. I don't care if the thing that pops up on you version, that's just thing, the thing you focus on that day. You can do Bible notes. You can do it by yourself. I don't care. You can have David Suchet read it to you if you want. I don't mind. Just read the thing. And don't just read it. Meditate on it. The blessed one is the one who meditates on my Lord day and night. So when you read it, take notes. 
Write about it. Discuss it with your kids, with your spouse, with your small group, with your friends, with the person at the desk next to you at work. Meditate on it. Let it sink in. Pray it. There's so many incredible prayers in the Bible. The Psalms, it's a songbook, but it's a prayer book. Pray the Psalms. Pray Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 and Philippians 1. Pray the Lord's. Pray the Bible. As we pray it, it comes in on a different level than just reading it with our brains. Sing it. Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. Hope Community Church, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. How does it dwell among us richly? Yes, by preaching, but here, as we sing to one another. That's why, yes, we're going to sing songs of personal response to God and personal devotion to God, but we are going to sing the truth of the word here because as we sing it, the word of God is dwelling among us richly. And fifthly, live it. Don't deceive yourselves by just reading it. You don't just want a hard head. You want a soft heart. This isn't just written to educate us. It's written to change our lives. Because it reveals Jesus to us, who is the life changer. Live it. And I know that's hard sometimes, because culture is saying all sorts of stuff about who we are, our identity, and where we need to place our trust, and what we need to do, and what we don't need to do. Live this. It might be hard, but it's worth it. Because that is how we find blessing. You ain't going to find blessing in the world. Not in a way that lasts. But if you are shaped by this, if you build your life on this, let the spirit do his work through this. If your delight is in the law of the Lord and you meditate on it day and night, you will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. And whatever you do will prosper. It will last for eternity. Simple, isn't it? And yet the enemy doesn't want you to do it. He'll make you bored. He'll put obstacles in your way. Oh, I'm too tired this morning. He is just longing to stop you reading it. And so we need to pray because this, this reading this is an act of spiritual warfare. And my question for you this morning is, are you up for the fight? So we're going to pray. Would you stand if you're able, if you're uncomfortable to stand? Bands, come up. I don't know what we sing off the back of that, to be honest, but I'm sure they'll figure something out. And I want to speak specifically to our young people. And I want to say this. I'm not a young person anymore. You guys have all made that abundantly clear to me. And so as a not young person, 
I can say this to you. If you make a habit of reading this day by day, there is no limit to what you can do for the kingdom of God. And we all long for significance. And we look for it in relationships. And we look for it in being popular or being funny or being academically successful. And we all want those. But if you look for it in, in the kingdom of God, if you spend your time in this, that will be much more blessed than anything else you'll pursue. And for those of us who don't see me as an old person, you see me as a very young person. <laughs> I want to say this. I'm on this journey too. And I go through seasons where I'm in it and seasons where I struggle. But what God said to me as I've prepared this, it is time to get back on. It's time to make a recommitment. We're going to be a people of the book. We are the people of the book, Hope Church. It's time to go deeper. And so if you want that, if you want to go deeper into this by the Spirit's help, maybe you're great at reading it. Maybe you suck at reading it. <laughs> maybe you've struggled and you go, oh, God, I don't want to. I've made so many promises. But if you feel the Spirit prompting you, yeah, I'm going to go for it again. And let's just respond to him and let's ask his help because the enemy don't want you to do it. And a good, a good indication of whether you should do it is whether the enemy wants you to do it or not. And so if he doesn't want you to do it, let's do it. So if, if you want to, the Spirit's help to read this in new, exciting, fresh, committed ways, then just pop your hands out in front of you. I ask the Spirit of God to just to do some stuff this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible gift that you've given us. And we know it's not Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, but yet we know that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have given us this as a deposit, and you expect to see fruit from it. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come now and help us because we're weak, because we can be thick, because we don't get it, because we don't live it, but we want to. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you bring a fresh love for your word among this church family? Would you bring fresh insight into your word among this church family? Would you set our quiet times on fire, Lord? We don't want religion. We want fire. And so, Lord, Spirit, come and fill us again. And I pray that as we read your word in the morning or in the evening, or we listen to it on the commute we would experience the presence of your spirit with us like a voice whispering in our ear.
And as the psalmist says, it will be like chewing honey. It'll be so sweet to me.